When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Cindy Adams Show, 77 WABC. Ladies and germs, good afternoon. This is Madam Adams, herself in person, from the New York Post. You can read me, and you'd better, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Fridays I take off because everybody needs a day off. Even Kim Kardashian needs a day off just to get her Botox in her behind. So that's my one day off. Any other day, please read me. And now, I am about to do brilliant stuff on WABC. Listen, after five years of schlepping after Hunter Biden, eyes are now starting to blink on Jared Kushner. Not my idea. I'm just telling you what I know. The nearsighted House Oversight Committee said that inhaling a $2 billion Saudi investment six months after leaving the White House, did what they call, quote, crossed the line of ethics. More. Albany's Democratic supermajority now wants courts to stop evictions. They want New York to house homeless. They want New York City to care for, not incarcerate, care for, the mentally ill. They want to rebuild Rikers. They want to house asylum seekers. They want to add a partridge in a pear tree. But they want not to provide any funds to do it. Albany and Washington, mazel tov to them both. More. Trump will possess grand jury minutes in his January 6th case. Names, testimony, grocery lists of so-called friends who testified against him. He'll have all that. Plus, those who are expected to testify. Now, reaching out to them, any of them, in any way, means he is obstructing justice, contempt of court. They have already subpoenaed his valet and friends, and next up, who? Donald's chiropodist? All of this while Hunter is smoking and coking, and Joe is banking and tanking. A story sent me by Legal Eagles, people who have sent me things before and always been legit. A while back, the grand jury indicted a Rochester, New York, construction magnate. This guy then called a pal he knew and asked this pal he knew to, quote, just give one of the witnesses you know my regards, end quote. The person's attorney then informed the court. The contractor guy, then got nailed 
he got re-indicted for attempting to intimidate a witness, interfering with the administration of justice, sentenced to two years. His pal that he had reached out to was then fired a year later. Okay, what more? Wait, wait, back up more. Biden is from Delaware, appointed special counsel to sniff the Biden investigation aroma is former prosecutor David Weiss. He is from where? Delaware. The whole state, which is only one political party, is smaller than a toilet, and everywhere is a Biden footprint and behind print, and someone who knows. I know that because I have been in that state interviewing people. More. It's really hot weather. It's like Death Valley around D.C. How about we start burning Attorney General dumbass Merrick Garland's behind? Liberals think the sweat's worth it to protect progressives even though the best to be said about progressives is, may their tripe decrease. Congress is now examining, oh, this is another thing. Congress is now suddenly, newly examining UFO info, because, as you may have recently heard, a witness just claimed the government is concealing aircraft which recently crashed on our planet. Okay, but if it's so, if this might be so, and this is just my low-level opinion, that outer space pilot must be really dumb. Traveling over 100,000 light years through a 10 million planet galaxy only to crash in Vegas? and crap up a crap shoot? How dumb can an outer space pilot be? Okay, okay, we're going to go, we're going to go onward. Uh, there is hardware, malware, silverware, menswear, software, and tableware. The aroma from Delaware is what I am telling you, is a sump dump. That's what I'm telling you can come out of Delaware. Now, of what you have heard, I want to talk to you about historians. Historians call Benjamin Franklin America's first columnist. Wrong. I started before Ben flew his first kite. So I went back over all my columns to see my years-old Barbie items. I didn't care about Ben. Ken. My memories are... <laughs> I had better than Ken in high school. The hell with him. Barbie collectors now are wearing Depends, and they may remember that in 96, David Duchovny looked like a doll. They made him look like a doll. However, playing Ken seemed out of his Ken. He hated the finished Ken doll. The hair was too full, he didn't look rugged enough, and he threatened a lawsuit. Mattel quick 
schlepped Ken off the toy shelves, overhauled him, remolded his hair. It became tighter, less curly. Ken's, not David's. David's stayed still plastic-looking, but it looked more manly. X-Files-type Ken then became a collector's item. So now, in 1996, there are more Ken dolls. There are more Ken dolls, and they are all coming out, and you have to remember that they are not as attractive as the early ones were. And I have to tell you that I am now going to do a station break. And when I do a station break, I am going to come back with F. Murray Abraham, whose mouth is as large as his talent. And I'll be right back in two minutes. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All the dish that's fit to air. Cindy Adams is on 77 WABC. I am now about to speak with the all-time great actor of stage, screen, radio, whatever, adhesive tape. He's on everything. His name is F. Murray Abraham, and I love him dearly. So listen, my friend Murray, you yeah. got Golden Globes, Emmys, Obies. Where are they all? What do you do with them? <laughs> well, you won't believe this. But uh, my Oscar has appeared in every play I've ever done in all the years that I've done them all over the world. And uh, I give the Oscar over to the stage manager who hides it on stage. Not that the audience can see it, but the actors can discover it. And they, the, the wardrobe people dress him up. He's had <laughs> many, many costumes. And you can't take it too seriously. He's wonderful, and he makes people happy. You'd be surprised. It's like they become like children when they see the Oscar. You know. Okay, but don't you have them at home if you're not in something at the moment? Uh, yeah, I have them at home. They're not prominently displayed. My mother, God rest her soul, she had it, and she had candles around it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so good. That's good. It's like a Seder. It's like a... Actually... You're such a famous name. Who the hell are you? Where are you from? How did you start? Well, my dear, I started in, I, I was born in Pittsburgh, but I left when I was about three years old. I grew up on, uh, in El Paso on the border. I grew up with a Mexican accent. And for some reason, I was very lucky that a teacher said, you should try acting and uh, change my life. Didn't theater spark you from, spark your film career? Wasn't well, that how you started? Yes, ma'am. Theater is my first love. And from that, uh, I began to work in movies, which, of course, pays the rent. But uh, it's always been the theater. And then, of course, you know, did you know that today is Salieri's birthday? No, it hardly comes up in conversation. Well, Thanks I a lot for suggesting. Just, like, I've got to tell you, because it was on the radio, 
and I thank the, the DJ who mentioned it because I owe him a lot. You know, I do. I'm living in a fabulous apartment on Lower Fifth Avenue. And it's all because of Salieri. And, of course, Peter Schaffer and, you know, that wonderful movie. Listen, what is this latest little thing that this kerfluffle? I don't understand what happened. You were on TV. You're the greatest. You're the most wonderful. All of a sudden, you're not on. Can I ask or shouldn't I ask? Oh, no, or what, no, what are we talking it's, about it's, here? Well, I, I really don't understand why it surfaced after, you know, a year after it happened. But I was on that terrific show, by the way, something I'd love doing. It was called Mythic Quest, and it was a great bunch of people. And I was warned about You're not coming through. We're not hearing you. We're not hearing you. Hold on. You're, we're not hearing you. Can you hear me now? Yes. Okay. So go back. Go back. What I was saying was, it was a great show. I liked everyone, and they liked me. Um, and the the money was very good. But uh, I was warned about telling off-color jokes. And they're not filthy. Really, they're not. And, and they're not sexist or racist. They were funny. And I just couldn't stop myself. I like to make people laugh. So I told an off-color joke, and somebody in the crowd didn't like it. And I was, I was let go for a joke. Listen, that's but, what's happening today. I know is, it's very but, but, peculiar. But, 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 no, it really, and I can tell you the joke. I won't tell it now. <laughs> but, Thank you. <laughs> I must tell you, it's, it's, it's a cute joke. But anyway, the point is, if they hadn't fired me, I never would have been able to do The White Lotus, which really was an amazing success. I would like to know why I picked up a magazine, the name of which has just gone out of my limited head, that had a 12-page article on you. What the hell are you doing that everybody's rediscovering you all of a sudden this week? Well, I didn't know, but I'd sure like to get that magazine and thank them. But the fact is that my life is very good, and I'm... I happen to be very, very lucky. And don't you agree that no matter how talented and wonderful you are, luck is important, isn't it? Yeah, but I think, yes, of course, luck is important. God's help is important. All the rest yeah. of it is important. People listening, why the hell I'm still on the air and why am I writing a column? <laughs> they write to me as, dear stupid. So I understand about everything that you're saying. But yeah. you are extremely talented and i don't understand why they picked on you and i don't understand why there's a big stinking magazine article on you and not on me what did they what was the purpose of this thing <laughs> to say how great you are what would what the hell was the reason for it it's uh it's it's it's, it's fortune it's fate. it's what it is because for a while when that first article came out saying that I had done something terrible, it wasn't a terrible thing. And, and the fact is that people jump on it. So they're ready oh, to okay. like push you down in the ground just as ready as they are to write a 12-page article. That's, that's, that's the life we live these days. I guess so. I, I guess so. Tell me about, have you ever gotten stuck in a really lousy role Oh yeah. Well, tell me because you're so well, good. We don't know that we, we can't see, we can't see you suffering. <laughs> and, it's, 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 we want to see you, you know, suffer. <laughs> but you know the same thing I do. When you work with people and you love your work, I know yeah, that. Yeah, we yeah, all know yeah, that, yeah. And, and just as I do. But that doesn't mean you run into people who you just can't 
tolerate. Like right, tolerate. like right now, like right now, for instance, is that? <laughs> okay. okay, tell me about, I mean, we under, we see all the awards you get and we know how good you are. What about a lousy role? Tell me, have you ever had one? Oh, yeah, I've failed a couple of times, more than a couple. It's one of those things. First of all, you say, I don't have enough time. I don't have this. Now, no excuses. You screwed up. You couldn't do it. You know? A, a, a role you, you couldn't do, Murray? Yeah. Well, you can't have a winner every time. And uh, I, I can't blame anyone but myself. I mean, I could blame directors and so on. That's not the, that's not the answer. I just couldn't come up with the goods. And it's an off feeling because every day you wake up thinking, I got to do that play and I'm no good in it. Every actor, if they're honest, will tell you that's happened to them. You can really tell when you're lousy in something? <laughs> yeah, you can feel it from the audience. It's awful. It's a terrible <laughs> feeling. But that's one of the things I love so much about comedy. Because there's no question when you're successful. Because they laugh. And if it doesn't work, they don't laugh. With, with a tragedy, no matter how you feel, some, something's going to happen. Because it's a tragedy. It's a great piece of work. And they carry something home with them. But you never know if you know if you really stink. You just feel it, and it's an awful feeling. Have you ever, like, fallen in love with someone who doesn't love you back? My dog. <laughs> I don't believe <laughs> The dog, my dog, I love my dog, pardon the expression, even more than I loved my husband. I love this dog with an intensity, and he pays me back by peeing on everything everywhere. The only one he hasn't peed on so far is you, and I will do that myself. But <laughs> what do you see? That's exactly how I feel. I love the business. I love acting. And sometimes it just pees on me. <laughs> are you rich? Are you going to be rich? Or are you rich now? I don't have to worry about paying the rent like so many of my fellow actors on strike do. I walk the picket line every day. Tell me about the strike. Lots of us do not understand what the problems are. The problem is that we're not making a, not me, but the average actor is not making a living. And uh, it's, uh, it's a shame because the people who run the business are making millions and millions and millions. We're not asking for the world. We just want to have some respect and a living income. I mean, you know, the way the prices of health care, for example, the, the, the union protects us from those terrible health expenses. Every, every worker in America should have protection from those. They should have health, free health care, for goodness sake. It's a rich country. It's a shame. But anyhow, that's what the union does. It, it helps us live in this life. I mean, without a union, there's no middle class. And without a middle class, there's no democracy. And America is supposed to be a democracy. Anyway, don't let me start making a speech to you. All I can tell you is, the union wants the same thing every worker in this country should have, which is respect and a decent living and some help with their health care costs. People are losing their homes because they, they can't pay their doctor bills. You know, that's not right. No, I understand that's not right. I want yeah. to know, am I speaking to a hated Democrat or not? Because well, I'm a, I, I'm a Republican. A Democrat, but, but, but they're not, they don't seem to be the... the, the they're not seem to be helping the average person out like they used to. They really should fight for health care for everybody. That's what the Democratic Party should be doing, as I well have... as taxing the, you know, the, the huge corporations who are 
not paying a dime sometimes. That's wrong. But it's been wrong for a long time. So why all of a sudden is there a, a why did it happen suddenly? I guess the whole, all the working people, not only here, but around the world are saying, that's enough. I mean, you're making $250 million a year, and I'm not exaggerating. Yeah. Can't you even imagine sharing some of that? How about if we just tax everybody equally so they don't get away with murder? Everybody gets taxed 18% or 20%. That's all. Forget all of the loopholes. We could, we could finance health care. We could finance social security. Don't let those rich people get away with murder. No, I'm not rich, dear. Well, I don't think you're poor either. No, no, so, no I'm not poor. Okay. No, no. Okay. What about if? What about working with actors that have a great deal of temperament? I have met a lot of actors who are smartass, and it's very difficult to be with them. Directors also. How do you handle that? Well, <laughs> I'm of a certain age that if I do say something, I really mean it, and they, mean, and they understand. Sometimes it becomes it's either them or me. But if they're a big star and they're uh, irrational, well, you got to put up with it or you got to walk. And it's not a big deal for me. I just, uh, I am the kind of actor that people enjoy being with and being around. And I have a feeling that that keeps their temperament down. I, I'm the kind of actor you'd like to have in your company because I really have a good time and I'm, and I'm serious. It's like you. I mean, you've seen people in your business who you think you can't tolerate them. How do they get away with that crap? But yes. you, uh, you put yes. up with it, don't you? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. But can you give me an instance where you handled somebody who was an actor or a director that was a pain in the ass? I mean, here I am asking you, and you're giving me just nice words. Say I something. You, okay. Well, it was there was an incident where I said, if this, if this, uh, if he, either he goes or I go. I'm not going to go into who it was. Unfortunately, they kept me. But the other thing was when I hit somebody, because uh, you know they, well, they did something. I don't want to go into the whole thing, but I'll tell you this. Well, why not go into it? Where else are you going to go for ten well, minutes? I'll tell, you, I'll, I'll tell you. This director was treating this one. The little actress who only had a, a couple of days' work. She was so nervous and excited. And he treated her so badly that I told him if he said one more bad thing about her, I was going to punch him. And he laughed at me, and he did. And I punched him. Oh, no, I did. That's where I come from. And sure enough, I got, sure enough, I got fired. But, you know, you got to do it. you got to take a stand. Well, but back a thousand years ago, Richard Burton once told me he had to kiss a lady who had bad breath, and he couldn't bear it. He couldn't stand kissing her because she had lousy breath. She must have eaten garlic or some stupid thing. So, I mean, there are those things that happen also. Also, But did you ever... My, my, my dear, I have a good time on the set. I really, I can't tell you how many, how many close-up shots I've taken where I've asked the director if I can drop my pants because nobody can see that I've dropped my pants. It's a close-up. What and are you talking are so about? Just, very... just, just, just a second. <laughs> Why would you want to drop your pants on? What, because, what because the hell are you talking about? Because it's funny. It's silly. Because we all get so serious about this business. We all take it all too seriously. After all, it's entertainment. 
So I do that to listen, loosen up the cast, loosen up the, the, uh, the crew, and they laugh. And it, it's always a better atmosphere if people are happier. And are you, uh, that, that, that's funny. Are you going to tell me that you would play something like King Lear with your thing hanging out and oh, your behind no, 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 out? No, 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 what not, are you talking not about? My, no, no, not my thing hanging out. Just drop my pants. <laughs> I still have my underwear on. No, no, no. Besides, nobody wants to see my thing anymore. Believe it's, me. Uh, believe me. That's what I've heard. Thing. Yeah. It's okay. an old, old thing. Listen, so what's next for you besides <laughs> dropping your pants and things like that? Listen, I'm working on, a, aside from walking the picket line every single day, by the way. Yes. Because uh, I'm, I'm really a serious union man. But uh, I'm, I'm working on a musical by Stephen Schwartz. You know who he is, right? Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah, well, yes. He And, and with Kristen Chenoweth. And uh, we're doing a musical uh, that he's written on the Queen of Versailles. And uh, Kristen is playing um, the Queen, and I'm playing her husband. Who is the it's Queen of Versailles? Uh, it's a terrific documentary up several years ago about a woman and a man who decided they wanted to build the biggest house in America. If you don't know this Oh, 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 I know that. Oh, I do it. know that. I know them. Yeah. Oh, I met them. I met them. Yeah, well, it's a great story. So what are you playing? Who? What? I'm playing, I'm playing her husband. Oh, I remember I that story. I remember oh, that yeah, story. Yeah, and by the way, have you, do you, have you met Kristen yet? I met her. I met her. Well, she had jewelry hanging out of every one of her no, apertures. No, her. Yeah, well, that's who she was. <laughs> but, but Kristen happens to be straight from heaven. I got to tell you, just like one of those people you think, oh, thank God this kind of person exists. And besides that, she can sing her buns off. I'm not talking about her, really. I'm talking about you. Do you mind talking about you? Tell me about your singing. You actually, with your voice, pardon the expression, you actually sang at Carnegie Hall Yeah, once? I did. Tell me yeah. about that. Well, it was thrilling. I mean, I, For who, I finally, the audience? I, finally, I, I hope so. But I, it, was, it was great. It was original music, original words, and I did it, and it was... Uh, it could have been better, but next time it'll be better still. I got nothing to apologize for. You got to take a shot, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, that, I, and I'm not, I really am not afraid. Murray, going back, yeah. listen, we, you're a big star. We all know you. We know you have all of these awards. We know all of that stuff. Do you remember your first ever audition? Oh, gee, yeah, it was awful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was awful. Tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell uh, me. It was, it was, it was like it was an interview, not even an audition. And I was so nervous, and I was lying all the time, and I just lying badly, and I was, it was just awful, awful. I learned a lot from that. I learned to keep away from it for a while. I learned that you shouldn't lie, and if you do lie, you better be a good liar. I'm not. Anyhow, I can't play poker. But anyhow, my my worst audition, I think it was when I met. Oh gosh. Who, what was the wonderful director now who played Opie? Ah, I met him. I got it. Who who directed? He, he was the young actor who played Opie on... Um, How do I know? I mean, I'm asking oh, you. Tell, oh, gosh, shame on me. Okay, go ah, on with the story, even if you can't well, he's remember. he's an important man. I, I, I should give him credit because he's so good. Good, good. Oh, Ron gosh. Howard? Ron Howard. Thank you. Anyhow... I had uh, I met him 
uh, to talk about a role. And, and he and I got along really well. And I was pretty sure I was going to be doing this film with him in, in Rome, which is my second favorite city in the world after New York. And, and I was sure. And in the middle of the audition, my phone rang. And <laughs> I had never, that was the first phone I had ever had. My daughter said, you got to have a cell phone. you got to have, and I resist. Anyhow, and when the phone rang, it just froze me. And I began to just stutter and I became, <laughs> and I didn't, I didn't get the role. And right away, I could see him turn off. And he should have. But I've always wanted to apologize to him for that because I want to work with him. But that was probably the worst audition I've ever had. And it, it was someone I really liked. And it was Ron Howard who just did yeah. the, docu- the documentary on me. It's been on oh, Showtime. It's a four-part documentary on me, and it was done by Ron Howard, who has now gotten to know better people than you. Ron Howard has become a, a remarkable documentary filmmaker as well as a good filmmaker. His stuff on Pavarotti was terrific. I can't wait to see yours. Well, thank you. It was on uh, in October. Thank you very much for being a big fan of mine. Anyway, (laughs) I love you. I would love to see you. If I buy, if I buy, you want to have dinner? I would love it. And you don't have to buy, but thanks. But but if you do, I'll tell you that joke. I will buy. (laughs) <laughs> I'm glad to I talk to you, sweetie. You too, honey. Keep... Bye. Goodbye, sweetie. A name you know who's in the know. It's the Cindy Adams Show, 77 WABC. Right now, I'm about to speak with Lee Ann Tischler. She is the creative mind behind the Bloomingdale's window displays, which right now, as you stand behind them with your nose pressed to the glass, they are all Barbie. I am now speaking to Leanne Tischler, and I've got to know she does the windows at Bloomingdale's, and I pass those every bloody day. How does one get training for for this? Oh, Cindy, let me tell you, when I was in college, I was a fine arts major and minored in graphic design and architectural rendering. When I got out of school, doing windows was not on my radar, but I sort of fell into (laughs) it. I needed a job, and I started working in display at Macy's in the Garden State Plaza in New Jersey, in Paramus, and... From there, I went on to work in Herald Square on new stores and renovations for Macy's, and then I went to Bloomingdale. So the training at that time, there's really no training. You learn by doing, and you learn on the job. And, you know, having a fine arts background obviously is a plus, and the fact that I could um, do graphic design and I could read blueprints for store design. So that's sort of how I fell into designing departments for new stores at Macy's. Um, Bloomingdale's. Oh, go ahead. Bloomingdale's. I am fascinated because I look at Bloomingdale's every single day. Where do you get the models? Where do those things come from? The mannequins, you mean? Yeah, the mannequins. Well, there's different, like, there's houses of fashion. There's mannequin houses, and each house has a different style or forte, or they do abstracts, they do realistics. 
And we are lucky. We have a very huge repertoire of mannequins at Bloomingdale's. I have a very talented team, and one of the team members, that's his love and his passion are mannequins and wigs. And depending on the, the fashion trend we're showing or the designer, that will dictate what mannequins we decide to use, whether they're abstract or realistic. So I don't know if you saw the Barbie movie windows we just Oh, removed. my Lord. It's fabulous. Do you, do you keep them? Does Bloomingdale's keep them each time? Yes, we, we do keep everything. And for Barbie, we chose to use abstract mannequins because, A, we could not do a 3D likeness of Margot Robbie or any of the talent. So everything in that window design was an abstracted version of the movie. Nothing was. Yeah, um, I understand. Back. And instead of Barbie's B, we used our Bloomingdale's B font. So we <laughs> co-branded it a little bit. Well, how does a team like yours decide on what to do? How? How does it come about? Do you all have a, a, a bagel together and discuss it? How does it come about? <laughs> we, are, we, we sometimes have bagels together. <laughs> um, honestly, I sit down and plot the calendar for the entire year in December and then we work with the fashion office and our marketing teams to plot in Mother's Day, Father's Day, Chinese New Year, Black History Month. You know, we know those certain things, but yeah. then the fashion office will interject. Um, we want to do Max Mara. This is going to be Ted Baker. And then if it's not a fashion designer we're highlighting, then we pick trends. Or Bloomingdale's is very big on trends, whether it's suede or leather and that dictates what we decide to do. And then sometimes, many times, we follow our marketing campaign. So it might be shot in Capri for spring in Italy. So then we sort of take cues from the environment of that coast, you know, from colors to texture. And we always try to come up with something that no other store has done before. But oddly enough, one year we did faceted animals for holiday, and sure enough, Bergdorf had a similar thing in one of their windows. Like, it's, it's so crazy how that happens. Do you schlop, schlep around and look at other stores and magazines and get ideas from them as well? We look at other stores, but really not to copy. We like to keep our eye on the pulse of what people are doing. And Saks, Bergdorf, Bloomingdale's, we all have a different style uh, in our windows, but yeah. my team and I, we like to go out and look at art and museums and walk the city, and we like to take those cues from real life. And sometimes we look back. Maybe it's a 70s trend. Maybe it's a 50s trend or something that hasn't been seen in a while. Our goal is always to come up with something to surprise and delight you and something that you haven't seen, but it's very hard to do that. We might think we're inventing something, and then we'll see – something on the news that Selfridges or Harrods did in, in London. So it, it, it's strange how that happens. It's sort of like how all the fashion designers are doing herringbone. You know, like, <laughs> how does that happen? Okay. Did they ever, do the mannequins, does it ever, do they ever flop down? Does it ever go to, to pot all of a sudden one day somebody drops something because it all looks so perfect. I never see anything that's mishandled. Oh, you're so nice. Well, that's a secret of mine, to be honest with you, is why I love doing windows so much because people can't touch mannequins or the props in the window. 
when I was doing in-store visual, you would come in in the morning or three hours later and a customer standing on the platform to take their selfie with the mannequin and then they knocked it over. (laughs) (laughs) I know that. You know, we, we love it when people take their selfies in front of the windows, but when they're in the store, they seem to knock things over or they want to try that dress on. So a customer will just take it apart herself. Um, we, we, yes, of course there's accidents where we drop things, but then we have really good painters who patch and put things back together. What about Barbie? Did you have to get permission or something to do Barbie? Oh, Barbie. Lots of lots of approvals between Mattel and then the Warner Brothers filmmakers and as well as Bloomingdale's from our side. So we started working on the Barbie movie back in February and we started with concepts and, you know, they were sent us images that were very war marked. They're very protective of everything. And we would show them renderings, and they would say yes, no. There was a lot of back and forth. It would go to Mattel, then it would go to Warner Brothers filmmakers, and they'd say, That's the, oh, the water doesn't move like that in the film. <laughs> but I'm like, but it's a video. Our windows are, are blanked with video on our back wall. So there's, it was very intense, but at the end of the day, I, I have to proudly say they loved it. They thought our windows were their favorite internationally because that's, franchise is huge. So well, there are people standing in front of the window as I pass, just standing, staring. If anybody's tuning in and they don't know who the voice is, it's Leanne Tischler who runs all the windows in Bloomingdale's. So tell me again, how does it develop from your brain to the window? I mean, how long does it take and how, what are the what are the steps to do this? Well, sometimes it takes months. I mean, we start down with an idea, and sometimes it happens in three days. I have, I am blessed with a super intelligent and talented team, and each one of them has their own forte. One might be a painter. One is an amazing fashion stylist. One is a great lighting designer. Like, they all have their forte. We do renderings. We talk about different ideas, and, you know, any idea I might have, they explode it and make it better. And sometimes they're like, they don't like my idea. You know, we, we all throw out 100 ideas, and it may not get done now, but it can get done in the future. And, you know, like I said, honestly, sometimes we go back to the drawing board a couple times. Other times it's set in stone. It, it, it's very organic sometimes how it works. And I'm blessed to work with so many talented people. I don't do this on my own at all. You know, it's a total team job. So back in the Stone Age, when they had the early days of whatever it was, Gimbel's or any of those stupid stores, they didn't have all this window dressing. How did the idea actually develop? I think it's it's street theater. And I think somebody realized that you need to do something exciting on the storefront to entice people to come in the store. And to be honest with you, the, now there are college courses in visual merchandising and store design where there never used to be. So in those days, I, I think people came in because they needed to shop. We like to have theater on the street, and we do sell things right out of the window. People do come in, whether it's a plate or a purse or a shoe. They do notice those things, and they come in and ask 
for it. So we know it works and it's still a business. And, you know, we do have to um, allocate dollars and figure out how much we're going to spend on one Windows set versus another because we change every three weeks on Lexington Avenue. The other blocks stay a little bit longer. And it's exciting. It's exciting to have people come in the store and say, I need that polka dot dress. So if they get the polka dot dress that was in the window, do they get a discount because it's slightly used or it's been faded or some stupid thing? Do they get a break on the on the item? Um, no, it depends. If something is faded and they still want it, yes, the salespeople probably could give them a discount. That's not my area. I don't have the authority to do that. Sometimes it's a sample and we can't sell it. So, you know, and if it's in perfect condition, no, they, they would pay full price for it. Well, okay. The big things are your Christmas, your Easter, Thanksgiving, and all the rest of it. How far in advance do you do those major holiday windows? I can honestly tell you not far enough in advance. <laughs> um, we're madly working on holiday now. We are a little late. Um, sometimes we actually know a year or two in advance what we're doing for holiday, but that doesn't necessarily mean we start working on it right away. Um, especially if it's a movie property and we, we get to see clips and visions of that. Um, there's a lot that goes into it. And honestly, there's never enough time for holiday. It's never enough. Does, does anything ever crash or fall down in a window? Um, things have fallen. Usually, I mean, my team is so good. It, It does not happen often. Some of our biggest issues are if it's too hot in the window, sometimes our laminate peels up. Um, and we do colorize the walls because it can get to be 120 degrees inside the window in the summer. Oh, do you have a fan? There are fans and, you know, the team wears shorts and tank tops and so they come in very early. So they're not in there in the, the big heat of the day. And um, our biggest challenge, to be honest, with you, honest, we have these video walls that every night Microsoft does an update so sometimes they turn off, and we have to physically go back in and reboot them, which is not always so easy. But we like the video because it adds to the environment and it adds movement on the street, and it's just fun. And sometimes when the city allows, we even put music on the sidewalk. What happens to the Barbie displays or any of the displays, the different ones? What happens to them afterwards? We recycle everything. The mannequins get stored for their next round. Um, The props like Barbie's vanity might be sold off. We would reuse. We had surfboards in there with the neon. Those would be reused for next summer. So we recycle what we can just to save budget later on. We may make it look different, but the bones are there. And some things we do sell off. Well, I know there's a lot of creativity in doing the windows, but isn't some of the creativity, besides it being a great a great piece of theater on the street, isn't some of it to push certain pieces of merchandise? Oh, absolutely. Uh, uh, absolutely. In, in the fall especially, we, we really push trends for Fashion Week, and that's full-price merchandise in the spring and the fall. And if we want to sell 
thigh-high boots. Every mannequin is going to be wearing a thigh-high boot. I mean, definitely that is something that we think about ahead of time. And then sometimes, you know, we try never to put sale merchandise in the window, to be honest with you. Um, but it's, it's such an organic thing sometimes. And to be honest, since COVID, we, our buyers have been buying less. So we have been selling out of merchandise online. So now we fulfill it from the store. Like if our warehouse does not have it, they will look in the computer to say, oh, 59th Street has that lime Versace back. And if it's in a window, we have to go get it so they can mail it to the customer. And there, this were, is something- there was a time that I was a mannequin in the window, a live mannequin. I forgot how where it was, but it was one of my dogs, and they wanted a picture of the dog, and they had stuffed dogs and me in a window, and I stayed in the stupid-ass window for a couple of hours at a time each time, and it was a pain in the behind. Is it warm? Is it cold? What is it inside the window? It can be hot. It can be cold. It's very hot. It, It can get cold in the winter. Last fall, we wanted to have live makeup sessions in the window with someone on the street with a microphone talking about the makeovers. But the window was literally 123 degrees (laughs) in August, and we couldn't have models with makeup melting on their faces. So I kudos to you for doing that because it's very hard. But you can imagine if you're standing in the window looking out onto the street, it's a very interesting feeling. It's like a different voyeur into the world and then people on the sidewalk once they see you're moving they're like oh my god that's a real person in the window what are they doing (laughs) did it ever did you ever well of course you have i mean some windows just fall on their face that they just don't work has that happened um luckily for me that has not happened I don't want to jinx myself. I, I Like I said, my team's super amazing, and we'll install a window, and if it looks differently in real life than on paper, they'll pull something out of their back pocket and add to it. You know, there's been a few times where that has happened because we're pretty calculated. But, you know, yes, I, you know, our windows on 3rd Avenue right now, because we had a very low budget for summer, our men's fashion but the back walls are all painted, and I have a fabulous artist on my team who helped our painters drew it out, and they did it together. So there are no props in those windows, but it's fashion, and the walls are painted with these great murals. So, you know, it, it, the budget's not always there for every window set, but we fill in with our creativity. What and, about the Barbie people? Did they come see it? Oh, absolutely. The the sea. Oh, oh, and president of Mattel came and took his picture in front of the Barbie windows wearing a Barbie T-shirt and <laughs> sent his selfie and said, I have so much gratitude. Bravo. You know, that he was really happy. So, you know, and that moment, it, it was that was great, actually. OK, before I, I, I go to my last question and I start to go shopping myself, um, has anything ever gone awry in the window? I mean, did the mannequins ever fall down? Nothing ever happened? It's always so perfect? Um, You know what? The mannequins don't usually fall down. I'd say what goes awry is technology and human beings. For example, in 2019, 
we worked with the robotics animator and had live robotic arms in the window. And some of the installers who were, did some sculpting who were not on my team, like the way they were stepping, they stepped on wires and damaged some of the robotic stuff. But we, we fixed it. But usually the things that go wrong are when we do technology. The physical stuff usually is okay. Listen, I've taken you away from Bloomingdale's. I've taken you away from the windows. I have taken you away from Barbie. And I thank you, Leanne, very much for coming on and talking to us. And you will find me in Bloomingdale's in about an hour. Thank you, honey. Oh, fabulous. (laughs) It was a pleasure and an honor. Thank you so much, Cindy. Keep in touch, honey. I will. Okay. Bye. Bye. The Cindy Adams Show, 77 WABC. It's me. I want to tell you three little things fast before you go on to anything else. Upstate, we have a place called Mamaroneck. It has a restaurant called Red Plum. It was crowded the other night, and suddenly big-time excitement. In one booth, a woman diner collapsed in her chair, out, completely out. She ended up lying on her side. Someone called someone somehow because quickly in rushed paramedics and police. They worked on her. Look, it's dinner time. While this drama's unfolding, it's business as usual. Crowded, nobody excited. The restaurant continued serving. The waiter at my friend's adjacent, very next back-to-back booth, continued pouring martinis. He even asked, did anyone need more ice? Listen, what I'm asking is, what the hell has happened to us? Where are we as a country? We don't even care if somebody's knocked off right in front of us. I'm going on to something else. There is a humorist by the name of Morty Storm. He said to me, my dog is named Sex, S-E-X. When I wanted a license for sex, he said, the city hall clerk said, yeah, you want sex? Me too. I said, you don't understand, stupid. I've had sex since I was nine. And the clerk said, You must have been quite a kid. And there is one more thing I'm going to tell you, and then I'm going to say goodbye. Cannabis pros are now awarding cannabis licenses. Bureaucrats, Cannabis Control Board, and Cannabis Management Board are charged with licensing those previously convicted of marijuana possession. You paying attention? Disabled combat vets, they want priority. Their court hearing is next week. Like I said a minute ago, are we a great country or what? I love you all. I love you for listening. I will speak to you again next Sunday at one o'clock and thank you.